be seated. Well, days are often filled with surprises, aren't they? Got a phone call at 8.20. Connor's calling and saying, the heat's out. I'm saying, are you being serious? Yes, the heat is out. I don't know if he said there's or not. I was back there making another phone call to the company saying, listen, it's been two hours since we've called. This is really not acceptable. Don't see a technician yet. We need someone here. Good news, as I hung up, he came in. So that's really good. I don't think it was that quick, but uh, grateful. So he's down there working. Maybe heat will kick on and we'll get to warm up in a little bit. But life is filled with these surprises. Normally, Joan sits over there, so I come walking down the hall, walk down the thing, and I look over, and she's gone. <laughs> look around, she's sitting right there. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're here, sweetheart. <laughs> so life is just filled with all these wonderful surprises, and then I really enjoyed, as I walked further down, I saw that Connor got a space heater out, and he's warming up his row. <laughs> so all of those great things are going on, so all that kind of fun stuff takes place. Hopefully we will get this resolved and we will have heat next week. You know, we, we celebrate one week, finally the boiler's in, and then we have the joy of having two weeks in a row where the heat is not working. And it's crazy, so it works all week long. All week long at week works until Sunday. So, Connor, you have to be over here 6 a.m. next week. <laughs> Just run over, check, and uh, then we'll get them here sooner. Now, seriously, did you already listen to the messages that are being given? Have you been listening to the messages that have been preached so far today? See, if we're listening to the songs we sing, there's a message that's also there. Now, for me, as the, 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 the song just before the last one we sang, says, he hasn't failed me yet. And the implication and a promise of that is he's not ever going to fail us. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, standing there, I'm thinking to myself, well, it's kind of like heaters. Twice now, brand new heater hasn't worked on a day that we really want it to work. We like it to work midweek, but we really want it to work Sunday morning. Twice it's failed us, but God never does. Never, ever does. That's part of the message we should be hearing and processing as we sing. Because we're not just praising, we're being reminded of the message that we do know and we should be celebrating. And Lord, I need you, as we sang in that last song. Think through your week. In those times in your week where you kind of ran up against stuff. And maybe some of those times as you ran up against stuff you did well and you managed well. But maybe there are some of those times when you kind of ran up to stuff and you didn't do as well as you would like. In those moments, were you reminding yourself that you need the Lord or did you go into a different mode to get through? But we're being reminded just through song, Lord, I need you. Great messages to hear, great messages to be reminded of. And I want to encourage you as you listen and as you process through things, that there are things that are being, it's not just the joy of lifting our voices and lifting our hands and lifting our hearts, but it's also reminding us of truth that we want to live in. Well, let's take a few moments to reflect, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll kind of jump in to the rest of the things that are in front of us this morning as we look at the book of Genesis. But let's do a quick review, then we'll have a word of prayer. So let's talk about a couple things that we talked about last week. 
First of all, why are we doing this? Again, as we walked through the series uh, a little bit ago, as we talked about why people have chosen to step away from faith, we want to come back again to foundational issues. Now I'll say this. It has clicked in my brain. Is it truly coincidence that as we come back to foundational issues, the heat doesn't work? I'm not I'm not sure. Now the good news is the, I, I'm hoping our, our live feed still works, but you never know. But we're coming back to foundational things, things that we kind of build life on. Important things, things we build our faith on, foundational issues. Now, many people, again, as we talked about this, love the idea of generic God. But they don't love the idea of a specific God, a God to whom they are specifically accountable to. So again, as we walk through this whole process, as we walk through and we say, in the beginning, God... We're not talking generic, we're talking specific. This is really important. This significantly impacts our culture and this significantly impacts the conversations we have and we should process through that, be aware of that and continue to think about this as we interact with people in our community. Because all around us, people will say they believe in God but they don't necessarily believe in the specific God of the scriptures. They don't believe in the specific Jesus who went to the cross, died on the cross, bore guilt, bore shame and who offers us eternal life through faith in him. Specific, not generic. For people who hold on to evolution again, Genesis 1.1 is the core of the whole problem. In the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the crux of the whole argument. And as we continue to walk through the beginning of Genesis, very quickly, we're going to see the tension point that exists there. The unwillingness to acknowledge specific God. The unwillingness to honor specific God in the things that God has done or the things that God asks. It doesn't take long at all for that problem to surface. And again, we talked about the fact that evolutionists and Christians have a problem with beginnings. The evolutionist has no idea where things really came from. Because even as he goes to the Big Bang Theory and unpacks the whole theory, they don't have an answer for where stuff started and came from for everything to begin. For the Christian, we wrestle with where did God come from? We don't have an answer for that. He hasn't really told us. So it's tough to give that answer. Again, we come back to issues of faith. Core. At the core of our belief system is the principle of faith. We take a step. We, we, there's, a, a spot, there's a point in our journey where we need to step out and trust what God says and trust things that our eyes see, but also things that we don't see, but things that we know are there. And you come to a point of faith. The evolutionist does the same exact thing. We're going to look at some parts of of creation and things that God created. I'll just say this at this point. We're going to look, we're just going to walk through the creation of all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk about everything, hopefully this morning, except for the creation of man. You need to understand something. When people talk about the missing link, there's not just one. They are all over the place. There's missing links everywhere. Because there's missing links from how they say this thing became that thing. There's not just a missing link between how the monkey became a man. 
There's the missing link between how the fish became the frog or how the frog became the fish. I'm not sure which way it goes, they say. But all of that, there's missing links everywhere. And there's gaps and holes in everything that the evolutionist will tell you. Everyone who has a belief system comes to a point somewhere in that process of having to have faith that what they believe and what they espouse is true. Again, we talked about seeing the Trinity in creation, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more. And we talked also about the meaning of Yom, or day. And as we talked about that, I said that is actually a really important issue because the foundational component of that whole conversation is the argument that some people are going to make is that it really needs to be a 24-hour period because if it shifts away from it being a 24-hour period, then it starts to get interpreted figuratively. And when people start to interpret things figuratively, that's when they start to mix in myth, in particular like evolution. So the evolutionary creationist person who talks about the day-age theory and who talks about how one day was millions and millions of years And during that period of time, time, things evolved. And then God did another creative component. But the the whole idea of some of this theory is that God created through the process of evolution. And so when we come back to the conversation of Yom, the question is, is it 24 hours or is it more? It could also be less. And that's a real tension point. And I would come back and say to you again, the argument on this whole question, the the tension on this word is a big issue because it really boils down to the tension point of, did God create? Or is there, we talk about some form of evolutionary process. I think it's pretty clear that we're talking about a very clear creative process of God. We're not talking about an evolutionary process. The, the, and what you're going to see this, the cycle of the time, cycle of days and weeks and months and years, doesn't happen until day four. So we talk in 24-hour period or not? I don't know. What I do know is this. We're not talking about evolution. We're talking about the creative work of God. It absolutely could be 24 hours. It could also be 15 minutes. Because if you're God, how long does it take you to make something? A thought, and it's there. In complicated form. Sophisticated form. So, we've talked about those things. We want to review those things. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into it. Fathers, we take some time this morning to look at your word, and fathers, we take time to put foundations back in place and to just kind of walk around the foundation of life and walk around the foundation of faith and making sure that our personal foundations are in place and secure and that their things are not out of line. Father, guide our time and, and bless our time as we interact on your word and as we are just reminded of what you have said and what you have done. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, my desire, as you'll see at the notice, is to kind of get through the first half of day six. So we're going to tr- pick up speed and, and or try to walk through this in a fairly succinct and, and good way. And I'm going to start on day one, Genesis chapter, day two, excuse me, Genesis one, verses six to eight. 
And it reads this way. It says, Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse, and it was so. I wonder if uh, Star Trek kind of pulled a little bit of this from Picard, you know, as he would talk to the, uh, talk to, to the people at the, at the counter, said, make it so, you know, and uh, I wonder if they kind of pulled that from there. And so, so God called the expanse sky, and evening came, and then morning the second day. So let's go back through this and just kind of look at this real quick. One of the things you need to understand is that the creative work that God is doing here at the beginning of the creation process is not what you and I see fully today. When the flood took place, and we're going to talk about that at a later point, when the flood took place, a lot of this changed. Now the general theory, the general philosophy, is that it did not rain until the flood. Now, we don't see evidence of that, but that's the general theory of that. But one of the things you're going to see as you go to the, the flood account is you're going to see that it rained for 40 days. That's a lot of moisture in the air. It's a lot of moisture. Where did all that moisture come from? I believe it came from what exactly is taking place here. It said, then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters separating water from water. Water on the earth, water in the sky. General theory from, from creationists is that as God created and as God fashioned the earth, around the earth was a vapor barrier that God created that kind of like creating us in a little bit of a hot house now it goes on it says and God made the expanse and separated water under the expanse from the water above the expanse and it was so so we have space in between and God called the expanse sky so as we talk about this we're talking about the earth we have water here and then we have water out here. Where did the water come for 40 days of rain? I think from the water out here. Now our world is different. It's not the same. So now as we, we have the technology now to look down at planet Earth and we, we can see through, we can see the plant, we can see the, the continents, we can, we can see cities, we see lights, because there's nothing impeding our view. But as you read this, there was an expanse of water above, as well as the water on the planet. Wasn't there to fully see it, but I'm telling you what I think. But this is how God is describing it. So on this day, on this day too, he separated water. But I think he also started to create and fashion the ecosystem that would shape our world pre-flood. Now you also ask the question, what would cause people after the flood to not live so long? Because when you're reading the accounts prior to the flood, people are living hundreds of years. 600 years, 700 years. One guy almost a thousand years. 
the environment and the atmosphere of our world was different. This is the day one. How about, excuse me, day three. How, let me say, that was day two. My wife is smiling at me because I do this all the time at home. What do you really mean? Say it correctly. Day two. Let's move on to day three. Day three. Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. You have to laugh. Even as I sat down and I'm going through my notes. I had Genesis 3 on my notes. I had to back it up and say, Andrew, it's not 1, it's 3. And I did that to you last week too when we came to verse this day 2. Genesis 1, verses 9 to 13. Then God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the ocean produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants. Excuse me. Then God said, let the earth, not ocean, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in in it according to their kinds, and it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kind, and the trees bearing fruit with, seed, fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the third day. Now, a number of things go on here now. God creates seas. God creates dry land. And then he starts creating plants. So all the vegetation that we see growing and all those variations that exist were started here. Now two big things are going on here. The first is we're being introduced to this phrase, according to its kind. This is actually also a big deal in the language taking place in Genesis. We see that happening here. And we're going to see this also take place with the ark and the animals that go on the ark. Each according to its kind. Are tomato plants the same as pumpkins? How about this? Are tomato plants the same as tulips or roses? The answer is no. They are different kinds. Now, when you go, springtime is coming. It's chilly today, but springtime is coming. Some of you who who like to do garden stuff, you might have already got on to your garden sites online and you've placed your order. And when you place your order, you will get early boy, you'll, you'll get big girl, you'll get plum, cherry, you'll have all sorts of tomato options. You can get the beef steak, you have all sorts of different hybrids, you can get ones that come out and they kind of look orangish, yellowish when they're ripe versus you have ones that are deep, rich, red than when they're ripe. 
You have all sorts of different tomatoes that you can order. And when you go to the greenhouse, you'll look at the greenhouse, and there are going to be sections, this kind of tomato, that kind of tomato, and you're going to just kind of go down the row, and you're going to have all kinds of tomatoes. But you want to know something? When I go to the greenhouse and I look at all that stuff, they have a vegetable section, but then they have a flower section. But they don't, and when, but they don't even mix all the stuff in and around. They have like separate sections for this stuff. Kind. You know what's interesting? It's tough to mix. You want to put a tomato plant and a rose together. And you want to create a hybrid. Wouldn't it be nice to have a rose bush that had pretty roses and produced tomatoes without the thorns? But it doesn't happen. Because they're not of kind. The language here is really important. Each according to its kind. So, when God created, he created tomatoes. I don't know exactly what kind of tomato it was, but each according to its kind. I'm not sure we had a whole variety of tomatoes yet. We had tomatoes. We had roses. We had tulips. But I don't think he had all the subset of variation. This is kind of an important thing as you're processing through because evolution is going to say that all the stuff just developed. And so you had one type of plant that morphed into another type of plant that morphed into another type of plant and we see adaption. Okay? We were just talking about adaption because we have a whole plethora of types of tomatoes that we can order. That's adaption. Or that someone tweaking. People will call that, in our culture today, they call that evolution. And they try to say that, well, now we have all these types of tomatoes. These things have evolved differently. Really what's taking place is they've adapted differently. But they don't become something other than tomatoes. At the end of the day, they are still tomatoes. They don't become apples or plums or cherries or tulips. They are still, at the end of the day, at the end of the adaption process, they are still tomatoes. Now this is going to apply, and we're going to get to this in a minute, on the other things. But this is where we first see the introduction of the term according to its kind. We also see something else being introduced here. So the earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kind and trees and all that kind of stuff. And then you come down to verse 13. It says, an evening came and then morning the third day. Where did I miss? I missed what I said. I'm sorry. It was up in verse 12. And it said, and God saw that it was good. It's good. 
Did you ever have one of those days where you were working on stuff, you kind of got done with the day, you kind of looked over the things you're going, you're working on, you go, this was a good day. You ever have that happen? Once in a while. One of my favorite times when this happened was when I was working on a project when I, in, in our home in Minnesota. I was replacing the fireplace. We were changing that stuff out. And so as we were doing that stuff, as, as I was doing that stuff, I um, pulled it all down and I got it all set out. And I was liking how it was looking. Joan was away for a women's retreat. She comes back and she looks at everything and she goes, It's good. You did this by yourself? <laughs> like I had to have someone there to help me to actually make it look nice. Yeah, I, I did it all by myself. And you kind of get done and you look at that stuff and say, this is, I really like how this looks. You, you've taken time to think about it. You've taken time to process through how you want to get it done. You thought about the, the kind of domino effect of the things that need to happen in the right order and you, you've planned it all out and it's all working the way you've planned. And you kind of come to the end of the, uh, end of the stages of that process and you kind of look at stuff and you go, yeah, I really like this. This is really good. I'm really satisfied with how this is going on. I'm really happy with this process. That's kind of where God was. And it was good. He stepped back after day two, kind of looked around, says, cool, this is good. Or excuse me, day three. He said, this is good. This is looking good. This is kind of being what I want. It's, 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 it's taking shape. It's taking form. This is good. He's not saying this is perfect. But it's really good. The foundations and the seed of what will become is in place. Literally, with all the plants that are now here. It's all good. And it's, it's kind of like when you, you plant a garden. And you have everything laid out. You have your, your rows. You, if you have put down paper and that kind of stuff, you've, you've poked holes in your fabric and you've put your plants out. Has a, is the garden producing yet? No. But it's good. You know, stuff is coming. What you have planned for is in place. It's all set up, ready to go. It's good. This is the first time we see the word, the language, and it was good. In each of the next days, Jesus says it was good. And, he's, now I'm gonna, and there's going to be a difference between the first half of day six and the second half of day six. Let's go on. Let's go to day four. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for the seasons, for the days and years. They will be lights, excuse me, they will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to rule the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning the fourth day. So now let's go back and just kind of look at this again. So then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky. This is now the beginning of the creation of the solar system, the creation of, our, of the planets around us, the creation of the sun and the moon, 
So up to this point in time, just the earth. And now on day four, moon, sun, stars, all of that is being put into place. Everything. So again, this is where we come back. And and, and I want you to take note. This will serve as a sign at the end of verse 14. This will serve as a sign for the seasons and for days and for years. Now we have the solar system. Now we have the the correct spinning of the earth on its axis. Now we have the, the correct spinning of the earth around the sun. Now we have the moon starting its orbit around the earth that kind of starts to map out the, the, the months and all of that kind of stuff. All of that stuff now that we use to track time is being established by God. Time was created earlier because God created now there's the end of the first day there's evening and morning the first day evening and morning the second day time is created the tracking of time has been already created but now the specifics how old were you when you got your first watch when you're a little kid you get your first watch well maybe not today you get your phone you check it on your phone Okay, but you get your first watch. And you know kind of there's days and hours and all that kind of stuff, but you don't pay a whole lot of attention to it until you get your first watch. And then as you kind of pull it out, you start to watch it, and you look at the second hand go by, and it takes forever for that second hand to go all the way around so that the minute hand will move. And oh my goodness, forever for the hour hand to move. But you start to track the moving of time in the smaller increments that exist. And so God created time general, but now he's starting to create the increments by which we measure time. He says, they will be lights in the expanse of the sky, verse 15, to provide light on the earth, and it was so. And then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, the sun, and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. Now, one of the questions we're going to talk about in life group is the creation of the appearance of age. Here's one of the things that scientists discover. Some of those stars that exist in our sky are not stars. They're galaxies. But they're far enough away that they appear as a pinpoint of light. And our scientists are going to tell us that it has taken those stars, the light from those stars, millions of years to get here. But when you look and track the creation account, you look at the genealogies that exist in connection to that, and you come up with a conclusion that things are not millions of years old. If you're tracking the biblical framework, you're looking at something that's maybe 10,000 years old, seven to 10,000 years. Now again, this is where the evolutionist is going to come in and roll his eyes at the person who believes in God and the person who believes the creation story. Okay, so how did that light from those stars so far away get here? in 10,000 years. How did the light from any of those stars get here in 10,000 years? 
because they're way too far away for that light to have gotten here that quickly. Unless God created things with the appearance of age. But this is the day he's creating. And this is the day he's creating the, the sun, the moon, the stars. And we, we all understand this. We enjoy the sun of the day. We enjoy the beauty of the moon at night. And we have those days that we go outside at night. You ever have those days and the moon is reflecting the light of the sun so bright it, it's, it's, it, you can see everything so well? You don't quite need sunglasses, but it's still a bright evening. Those are fun, fun nights. But as we read this, God is placing all this stuff in place. He's placed the sun in place. He's placed the moon in place with its orbit. He's placed the stars in place, the galaxies and planets. All of that he's put in place. And he did it on day four. And his response, and God saw that it was good. It's exactly how I want it. I'm really satisfied with how it all works, how it all looks, how it all fits. How about day five? Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created large sea creatures and every living living creature that moves and swarms in the waters according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature. Again, here's that language, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Everything came and then morning, evening came and then morning the fifth day. The next part of the creative aspect and creative process of God. Day three, plants. Day five, Animals are creatures that swim in the sea and things that fly in the air. And again, the key language, according to its kind. According to its kind. Seagulls do not become eagles. Penguins do not become sea lions. Each according to its kind. This is important language. We're not necessarily talking about all the variation. But the starting point of each family of critters. You ever go down and you go walk along the boardwalk... And you see different types of seagulls. That's the family. Variation. Kind. But they started with just two. Probably. Now maybe a bunch more. But they still started with just that one kind. Let's go to this last day. Day six. 
Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kind, livestock, creatures that crawl, and wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now, he keeps repeating it now, doesn't he? According to their kinds. According to their kinds. According to their kinds. God's making a point. Now again, as we talked about this last week, I don't think the intention that God is offering here, I don't think he's offering a scientific treatise. He's talking about how we see and how we observe, and he's giving us a general communication. But even though that is taking place, I think even in that general communication, there is some specific information that's being, being communicated. And some of that specific information that's being communicated now, and on day six, it's being repeated according to their kind. Three times he says, according to their kind. And I think God is making a point. I'm not creating something general that evolves into a whole bunch of other things. I am making each category according to its kind. And in each category, there is going to be variation. But each according to its kind. So we come to day six. For the dog lovers, there are, there's a dog. There's dogs. But I'm not sure we have Dalmatians and I'm not sure we have Great Danes. Because those are adaptions. Those are variation. But they're dogs. And here's part of the key part of kind. In kind, kind can mate with kind. You ever talk to a person who has a purebred? And they get annoyed because the dog got out. And she came home and she's now going to have mutts. <laughs> Frustration. You can't sell the mutts. But she found another dog that wasn't the purebred, it was another dog, some mutt somewhere. And now she has mutts instead of purebreds. Why? Because kind can mate with kind. But you know, you can have dogs and cats in the house. And you never grow, you never have a dat. Or a cog. Depending on how you want to say it. But you don't get them. Because cats and dogs... You know the whole story, they fight, and they, but they also don't mate. They, they, you, don't, you don't get a mix between a cat and a dog. You have a boy dog and a girl dog. You got to keep them separated or someone's got to get fixed. You have a boy cat, girl cat, you're going to have a slew of cats. Unless someone gets fixed. But you can have a boy dog and a girl cat and no problems at all. Why? Because they don't cross breed. Each according to its kind. This is a big deal. 
Because in this process, this also then impacts what takes place on the ark. And we'll talk about that more at the ark. God has created and fashioned things for the capacity and the ability for incredible adaption. Incredible adaption. But the reality is that as they continue to adapt, they still stay true to their kind. They don't become something else. They don't evolve into something else. They stay true to their kind. And all throughout, each according to its kind. And I think in this process and in this communication, while God is speaking in general terms, he is making a point and drilling down on the specifics of our understanding of kind. Because evolution is not the way God did things. God created with amazing creativity. And God also created with the capacity for growth. He said, multiply, fill the earth. Multiply, fill the earth. He's going to say to Adam and Eve, multiply, fill the earth. And all throughout the earth, there are different ecosystems and different structures. And God created us so that we could adapt and adjust. But none of that was evolution. It was adaption. When Darwin went to the Galapagos Islands, what he saw was adaption. And he understood it as evolution. But he didn't see finches become fish. What do they call those big lizards in the Galapagos? The iguanas, whatever. But the finches don't become iguanas. There was variation of finch. Variations in beaks and variation in plumage and variation in size. But they're still birds. The same kind of bird. God created with incredible capacity for adaption. But they don't become a different kind. And God keeps on saying it, kind, kind, kind. Now, where were the dinosaurs? Have you ever asked that question in a creation account? They were there. The evolutionist is going to tell us the dinosaurs appeared and were gone long before man can, mankind ever appeared. My argument, and I think the argument from people biblically from Scripture are going to say, nope, they were right here. They were right here amidst all the things that were going on. I think God created the dinosaurs right next to the dogs, right next to the ostrich. It was all right there. And I think Adam and Eve and their descendants 
walked around in creation and they saw dinosaurs right there next to everything else. Because when you read the creation account, it says that this is when God created all things. So they were there. We can talk about that more a little bit when we come to the, to the ark. But they were all there. And for the fourth time, in the middle of day six, we read in verse 25, and God saw that it was good. Six and a half, or should I say five and a half days have transpired. Because we're only halfway through day six. God pauses, he steps back, and he looks around. You're saying, this looks really good. Let me give you a fun illustration of this. We're working on some domino things here in the church. And one of those things is we're starting to create a baby nursery. And a couple of them are coming along. We figure more might show up in time as well. So we're kind of, we've been moving some things. We're creating that domino process and a nice nursery. So, we've, we've, played with some walls and we're going to move some things around. We've taken some cabinets out. And you can, if you want to take a quick tour later on, I can show you the room. But it's really kind of cool. And you, we, it's not done yet. But as we're walking the process and working the process, you kind of step back at each, each step of that process. You go, it's looking good. I can see it taking shape. I can see the things starting to happen that we want to have in place. It's looking good. It's looking really good. And God's looking at what he's made. And he's stepping back. He's saying, this is looking good. I like what I see. I like what I've made. None of this is rocket science. In some ways, it really is more than rocket science. But the way God talks about it here, it's not rocket science. Now the scientists can pour into stuff and the scientists can, can go into creation and they can start to drill down and dig down into the, all the, the, the tidbits and details and, and nooks and crannies of all this information. But as God talks about it here in the beginning of Genesis, it's not rocket science. He's saying, I have created. Everything you see, I have created. And I've created things according to their kind. I haven't created things that evolved. I've created things that can adapt within the context of their kind. But I have created. What I would encourage you to do as you start to process this is to do a walk around your life. And kind of look at the foundations of your life and the underpinning things that exist in your life and start to ask the question, are there things in the foundation of my life that have shifted because I have listened a little bit too much to part of what our world tells us is true? Joan and I are looking at houses periodically and We eventually want to get into another one. Invariably, we walk around and we look at the foundations. We look at the structures. We we look at the things that are the bones to the house. It's healthy for us to walk around our lives and look at the foundations, the things that are the bones, the structure of our lives. 
and ask ourselves, does this align with the biblical account or is there something going on here that needs to be shored up? Has someone been messing with the structure? It's interesting when you walk into a house and you see people that have made modifications. They wanted a bathroom in a room that didn't have a bathroom before. And they couldn't run the pipes, so they just cut some boards out of the way to fit the pipes. Without realizing that as they are cutting those boards, they're cutting the structure that holds the house together. And then when the house falls apart, a few years later they don't understand. And they blame the builder. Because apparently the builder didn't build the house correctly. When in reality they started to mess with the structure by changing things and adjusting things from how the builder built it. It wasn't the builder's fault. It was the person who came behind starting to mess with what the builder made. It's healthy for us to look at the foundations and structures in our lives to ensure that the foundations and structures are right, that they are in accordance with in the way that God built us and that our attitudes and our worldviews and our belief systems are in accordance and in line with God's values. Something interesting happened in our culture. Has anyone gone, well, let me rephrase it, say it this way. Has anyone wanted to do something in their home and found out they can't do it without first going and talking to someone at town hall and getting permission to do it? Yeah, we got to go talk to the building and the building department. And we need to get permits. And we need to get permission to fix something or do something new in our house. Why? Because over time, people have just come up and just done whatever they want. And houses have burned down, buildings have fallen down, problems have surfaced and so they have started creating a structure an outline, a guideline of what is and is not acceptable what is and what is not safe, they're called codes we hate them and yet they also keep us safe there's no written, well there are written codes but there's no formal in our world and in our culture codes that say this is how to build your life these are the guidelines that you should function with biblically they're there but in our culture and in our world people get to pick and choose what they're going to believe and people can pick up the Bible pick up the scriptures and say I think I'm going to set this aside I think I'm going to choose to own and believe something else And we have a tendency to be influenced by other codes and other value systems and other worldviews that exist around us. It's healthy to come back, to reassess, to reevaluate, and ask, how am I lining up with the codes and values that God has identified? Have I gotten off track? Have I allowed things into my life, belief systems, attitudes, worldviews, that are not in alignment with God's. 
that's part of the value of going back and looking at foundations, looking at core truths, so that we can reassess and reevaluate where we are. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the time you give us to gather around your word. Father, I thank you that you watch over us, that you love us, that you care for us. And Father, I thank you that you have given us your word so that, Father, we can stay on track, so we can stay in alignment, both individually but also with you. Father, just continue to guide us and continue to build into us. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.